1: Uh, Welcome back to the Spiro Avenue show. I'm happy to have you, Justin Spiro. Of course, you're stuck with me every time, but usually the guest is the draw. No one really comes here for me for the most part. Maybe six of you do. A lot of you are going to be here for this one. I know this for a fact because I heard this name over and over again as a request. This was a guest that a lot of you have asked for and a guest that really I was late to the party on in his profile and, and catching on. I saw this guy. Everyone kept saying, get him on, get him on, get him on. I'm like, who is this guy? Is it like the UNC basketball player from back in the day? Who are we talking to? Marvin Williams. Then I looked him up. He's got a huge following, and he's got a great account. Marvin Williams, you're finally here, man. Welcome to the man, Screw Avenue Show. Thank
0: you. Thank you, Justin. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm humbled, grateful as well. So hopefully it'll be a good time tonight.
1: You're a beloved figure, man. I don't know if this is like <laughs> processed in, in that great big brain that you got, because you're a smart guy. I was intimidated doing prep for your show and watching you speak and some of your, you know, whether you call it a lecture or sermon, however you phrase it. I was blown away by, uh, I can see why so many people like you and why you're resonating with the Michigan State fan base, honestly.
0: Yeah, I, you know, you know, you never know. You never know what people think. And uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not on um, the formerly app called, you know, the formerly, formerly Twitter app called X now. I'm not on there for that. I try to be as encouraging as possible. And so the fact that you. Uh, you have me on. I'm I'm pretty excited about
1: it. I was, I was honestly so embarrassed that I didn't catch on earlier because I'm always like, where was I? And I get mad at the people I am following. I'm like, why is it this guy retweeted into my ether more? So I kind of blame the audience to a certain extent for not getting me on board sooner, but really liking your stuff. I want to get into this a little bit. The Thy Shadows event, Okay, which I was famously not in attendance for. I'm fascinated by it. I haven't had a any type of long form more than 10 second conversation on what it was like up there, not just the event itself, but the vibe up there. You had, you know, Mel Tucker up there, you had representatives all over the place from that program. What was the event like? What did you make of it? What was the vibe up there? Yeah. I, you know, again, I, I thought it was, um, I thought it was an exciting event.
0: Um, you're, you're opening people up to some exciting uh, things that are coming with the, you know, the uniforms and that sort of thing. So I was kind of, you know, I felt, a A level of excitement and privilege and humility and all of that kind of stuff to be to be present there, to have, you know, some of the basketball players there, you know, uh, A.D. Holler speaking, uh, Mel Tucker, Darian Harris, all of those just kind of really um, and helping us anticipate what what's happening with the event itself, but also what's happening in um, in this this year that's coming up. Uh, Spartan Stadium is a hundred years old, and uh, I think that's pretty exciting and uh, unveiling of the uniforms, especially the the shadow the black shadow um which i think is 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 pretty is pretty cool so so I thought it was overall it was a great event you, you um, got it
1: oh sorry, go ahead, go ahead no
0: just you know my my only so i i do high support high challenge high support is hey, this is the encouragement the challenge is uh so i do i f which is intermittent fasting. And I assumed i you shouldn't assume I assumed at five thirty I'm gonna stop eating because there's gonna be food at the event, and we get there and i'm looking I'm looking around like where like throw throw a brother a cheese it or something and uh <laughs> And so there was, uh, there was, there was no food, no snacks. And so I missed my window. My window closes at eight, and um, so I had to, you know, not eat anything until twelve. Oh, so o'clock, you actually, day. you
1: actually stayed because that's right. Because you said you get it's like Sisyphus. You're like kicked to the bottom of the mountain if you had eaten after right at eight o'clock. Eight o'clock. o'clock. So, so you just had to go. Completely. I just had to go.
0: I had to go from oh. five thirty until five thirty that, that evening until twelve o'clock the next day Brutal. before I before I ate again. But but uh, besides that. Uh, and I say that tongue in cheek. The the, the 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 event was great. Some of the the players from, you know, from uh, 2013 Rose Bowl, you know, Darquez, uh, Denart was there, um, uh, Antoine Jones, a, a lot of the players from that era. And again, a lot of present players. So it was really cool to kind of connect with them again and um, and just to see their faces and let them know they're still thought about. And so I thought it, overall it was an exciting event.
1: A beloved team, that 2013 team, yeah, absolutely. And they're rightfully going to be celebrated here this upcoming season for the anniversary of that group. I'm going to talk to Dery, and they got to get some like Roseberry red Paninis <laughs> out there or something. You got to got to feed my guy, especially in that window. That's brutal, but yeah. I mean, yeah, honestly, from everything I heard, the event just was a huge success. I yeah. like no one was coming out of there like, oh man, that was a bust. Everyone loved yeah. it. That was up there, and I just think the fact that they did it at all is really cool. Yeah. It's just the concept of it, which of course I've beaten this thing to death. Marvin Darian Harris is, is the best Spartan in the world. Yeah. I mean, this I this, totally agree. You agree. I totally agree. He, he is, he is a
0: class act. he is top tier, top tier. Not only was he a top tier linebacker for the team. And again, you know, the Rose bowl, um, you know, the, the, he was part of the tackle that, you know, fourth and one. And, but, but in terms of, intelligence in terms of understanding where players are and where the future of football is going, uh, college football, I think he is absolutely one of the, one of the best Spartans uh, out there. And I'm, I'm glad that he's a part of the team and uh, part of the team then, but also part of the, the, the staff now to help, I think, help the, the Spartans uh, get ahead of the game, uh, whether it's NIL or other things regarding college football. So he's a top tier guy, top tier.
1: He's been promoted two times since the show started. Yeah. So I, that's, that's the other thing. His, his ascension, his title changes every five seconds. Is it because of you? It's, it's not because of me. Darian does not need my help or the help of anybody. That guy, like if I had to make like a draft, I'm doing like a Spartan draft. Yeah, yeah. I think you got to put Tom as number one. It just he's been here longer. Darian was you know barely in diapers. But <laughs> Darian's number two. And that is a high compliment in terms of the football realm he's like yeah. the first overall pick in the Spartan football draft. I love that guy. But this whole thing was his idea, the Die yeah. Shadows thing. Yeah. And again, first time.
0: First, first time this is done. And I think um I think it'll get better and better and better as they do it again and again and again. Uh once you get reps under your belt, um, I think, you know, it will be they'll add some things to it. Um, they'll make it uh even better than it was this first time. But again, the inaugural is always um, like it's, it's exciting, but then now you built a foundation. Okay. Now you say, okay, how will we build on the foundation to make it even better the next year?
1: And I mean, you said it for the first year of this, and I don't know how it'll manifest. You're not going to have a brand new uniform every year necessarily, but however they are able to repeat it in some fashion. Yeah. They have such a high bar. They set in year one. I was blown away by how good they did. Do you have the Ben, do you have the picture of uh, Mel with Marvin. I don't know if you ran it when I was jabbering. Yeah, there you,
0: there you go. I, was it <laughs> Got the bucket hat. Yeah, got the you, bucket hat. You
1: got to rep the bucket hat. And Mel's a bucket hat guy, too, although <laughs> not, I'm not on that occasion. What was that like? Was that your first time meeting him? Or
0: No. So so uh, when he first came to town, we uh, we connected. So Alan Haller, uh, good friend, um, attends, attends our church and that sort of thing. And so... Um, you know, once you have someone come to town, you, you want to meet individuals who are part of Lansing, the Lansing community. So I got a chance to connect with him when he first came to town, just to let him know, Hey, listen, this is who we are. This is where we are. Uh, what, you know, we want to support you as much as we possibly can. And that's, that's, that's been the relationship since then. Um, uh, my wife, and I pray for the staff uh, on a regular basis, um, whether it's during, you know, for adversity or just just wisdom as they do their jobs. This is a hard job. the Their jobs are very, very difficult. You got stuff coming from within. You got stuff coming from without. And so you you need wisdom. You need discernment to to kind of make it through some of those rough times. And so um, but but this is this was, again, first time like taking a picture. I don't. Had opportunity. I don't really do the whole, you know, picture thing, put it on my, you know, my account so that, you know, I'm name dropping and that sort of thing. I just try to keep it low key. And, um, if I know people, I just, I know them and I don't let anybody know that I know them. And, uh, so anyway, that's, but that was one of the first pictures that we've, we've taken
1: together. So you're not offended by my wall, my collage of, of photos with, these people no no not absolutely not absolutely not absolutely not because so. it's funny because you're like i'm not a big photo guy as we're like in our no. Get at this. <laughs> no <laughs> absolutely not absolutely not, not <laughs> yeah well, i'm the same way because you know i've met him twice and i actually i gave him a quarters up that we had made and you know my my wife's like oh like you know, let's see the picture and i said i didn't take a picture She's yeah like, what do you mean you didn't take a picture yeah, yeah. to me it'd be kind of lame like Hey, nice to meet you. Hey, can I grab a picture? And I don't judge anybody because I've done that like with other people. Right. But I, like Mel Tucker, I don't know. I just like I'd rather know the guy and shake his hand. Absolutely. Than grab a picture with him. Absolutely. I'm a big Mel guy. I don't know if you saw. I have two commissioned paintings of the guy. <laughs> I have another one that's not a, a painting, but a picture of him on the bathroom wall. So he's on the, <laughs> he's on my walls. Like three times in like a 17 square foot radius. So I'm a big Mel guy. You seem to be still on board with Mel.
0: Yeah, I, I, man, I, one of the things I appreciate about him that here's a man who, um, he holds on to his values. Um, he is, you, you never see him get high or low. Um, again, he stays neutral. Um, and, um, you know, it is what it is. And, um, and I think he kind of goes with that. He wants to be the calmest one in the room. And if he's the calmest one in the room, it's contagious. So chronic anxiety is contagious. You know, if you if you are the one that's anxious, then other people around you will be the same. But when you're the calmest one in the room, that is also contagious. And so I think he has uh, he has demonstrated that and um, he has a farmer's mentality. So the farmer's mentality is you don't you don't plant and harvest in the same season you plant and then you harvest when it's harvest time. And so all of the noise that, you know, that's coming from without, uh, I think he has a farmer's mentality. I'm planting right now. I'm planting seeds. I'm recruiting. I'm recruiting the, the best players. I'm recruiting, recruiting big linemen. Um, you know, if, if you, you know, uh, you know, again, it'd be the SEC of the North, uh, of the Midwest. And so the fact that he is planting and, and I think the harvest is going to come. I think we just have to be patient. We have to be patient like individuals who are waiting for the harvest. And um, so, yes, I'm still on board, um, support him uh, wholeheartedly as he um, as he continues to build this program.
1: Let's talk about some of the noise. Ben, Ben pulled some of the noise that you're talking about. What what's out there about Mel Tucker, the perceived loss, momentum, the negativity surrounding him. So, Ben, can you play that for us to set the table here as we proceed? This staff is woefully inept. There are parts of it that need to be changed, that need to be overhauled because this performance that I saw was woefully unacceptable.
0: You think guys like Ishbia are going to sit there and watch three and nine, four and eight seasons and their name is attached to that? No, they're going to wipe the floor with that deal and they will get out.
1: People can deal with not having the dudes to win certain games. 24-7 24-7 up at home against Indiana feels like the end of the D'Antonio era. And this is supposed to be the crescendo of the Mel Tucker era. That stuff, that stuff doesn't fly. I mean, the sad thing is this was sort of the friendliest versions of what I could find in the negative bin. Yeah, It's not great. And this, and this is a total flip from where we were a year ago. What do you say, what's your reaction to that? negativity are you aware of it have you heard it what's your response
0: yeah i i I hear it i see it and um see it on um on x or or twitter and hear it from others um out out and about um and again you know you you look at 11 and 2 um you know were we ahead of the game um 11 and 2 um was that a false positive uh 11 and 2 and then to come back with expectations being really, really high the following year and then go five and seven. Yes, it was a disappointing year. But I think the, the, the interesting thing is I, I tell people all the time um, that, that you cannot, things that you cannot control, you cannot control what other people say about you, cannot control what other people think about you, you cannot control what other people's motives are, can't control how other people feel about you. The only thing you can control is yourself. And so, so to be able to listen to the noise, and, and I think Mel would double click on this and say that that the only thing that we can control what's in this building and that is us. We can control the way we respond. To, my response is my responsibility. And um, and so I think that's kind of the thing. Let people say what they want. And I understand. I understand that, you know, here's a fan base that, you know, they they want to see things move very, very quickly. Um, but you you have no idea what's happening in that building, what's happening in those offices, and for people to speculate, um, I think it's um, I, I think it's I think it's not number one. It's not good. Uh, it says more about the person who's giving the negative comment than the program itself. And so I trust what what Mel and the staff is, uh, are doing, and um, and I think when you know if he says that there's something that needs to change, I believe he'll change it. But I think he'll, he'll let you know straight up that the only person that he can control is himself. And, uh, and, and only the only people that the players can control are themselves. And so, um, so let people say what they want to. Um, and I'm convinced that if, if we, if, if individuals control themselves and regulate their emotions and regulate their responses, uh, I think the team is going to be, is going to be fine.
1: I think with the new season, you get that optimism. I've talked myself up to, you know, I have us at 12 and 0 now, actually. <laughs> that's how we work. Like, you know, I, I've added two wins to my prediction every two weeks for the last couple of months, and now I'm up to 12 and 0. <laughs> so I think that's, you know, an extreme version, but that's a common thing where the enthusiasm and optimism starts to grow, irregardless of what the prior year was like. But if, if Mel Tucker, who you know, had called you I don't know, four months ago, After the season, off-season, negativity was still pervasive. It was louder than it was now because last season's struggles were fresher. And he says, you know, Marvin, I'm having a hard time. Can you pop over to the office and just be my pastor for an hour? Yeah. What is that conversation like if he's just throwing you the floor and saying, you know, Marvin, every every everywhere I turn, people are talking about me. We know he's more internalized, but let's say he sought that advice. What is your advice to Mel Tucker in that meeting?
0: Yeah. I think one of the things is adversity is necessary. Adversity is absolutely necessary. If you want to build character, then um, then adversity is necessary. So so eleven and two was was great, and you know the five and seven, yes, disappointing. But I think I think almost it's kind of necessary to have that bump in the road, that adversity, to begin to build a foundation, a foundation that um, that I think this team is going to be built on for for this season. So that's one of the things. Uh second thing I would say, listen, Mel, you you can only control yourself. You cannot control. And again, I'm going to keep coming back to this because this is so key that um that y- you can only control your response to the negativity that's coming your way. You cannot the I think I think it's sideways energy to try to respond and answer all of those. And again, th- th- this might sound really kind of homerish but it's, it's really sideways energy to try to answer everybody's criticism. And I think the other thing that I would tell him is the best way um, you deal with your ops is to be unoffendable, is to find yourself unoffendable. That was your tweet yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To I be, saw that. To, to like be that. absolutely unoffendable because that will drive the ops crazy because you don't want to give up your agency. The moment you give up your agency, then your ops have control and they can press a button at any time to cause you to react and you want to be responsive as opposed to reactive so those are some things that i would i would tell him and then get back to the grind and let's 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 get it done um those are some things that i would say
1: what's your hourly rate i gotta Ben. I, I, <laughs> I, are you taking notes good thing this is recorded because I, man i feel like you're talking to me so I, i'm i'm picking battles. no i'm not picking i'm responding to picked battles left and right yeah, yeah. justin thin my buddy will message me and say like it, you're arguing with somebody with six followers. I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like, yeah, the guy, this guy's yeah. on his third account this week. Like, what yeah, are you doing?
0: I think it's just, um, and, and it, people, people want to row you up. And I think once they do it, they laugh at you because they say, now I have control. And at any point, I can say, I can say something to Justin, same thing that I said last week to get you upset, to get you bent out of shape, get you tweeting things that um, that eventually will like, man, I, why did I say that? Why, why did I why did I actually let them bait me into that? And um, right now, the program, if you notice, it's relatively quiet. It's relatively quiet. You've not you've not heard a lot of things um, like in the first couple of years. And I think that's I think, number one, it's by design. Number two, I think that's one of the wisest things. One of the wisest things that the program can do is don't don't worry about what other people say, what other people say about you. Handle your business once you handle your business. And I think that's what they're doing. I think that's what they're doing. They're handling their business. And uh, I think I think this team is going to surprise people on the outside. Probably not a lot of people on the inside because they see what's happening. I think it's, they're going to surprise a lot of teams, a lot of, a lot of people on the outside, and, uh, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm here
1: for it. I can tell you for a fact your perception is accurate because if we had Darian Harris on after this past season, and he explicitly said, hey, we're looking at maybe we don't do as much of the keep chopping stuff publicly and make it more internalized, yep. not that they're going to stop doing it, but he said, you yeah, know, there's all sorts of shared language we had when I was a player under D'Antonio. And, yeah, yeah. you know, in the bad years, people would have said, oh, that didn't work. And then in 2013, suddenly it works. It's the same slogan, yeah, you yeah. know, stuff like that. So I know they were really looking at that and saying, we tried to bring the fan base in. We didn't come up with Tuck come in, but the fan base, fan base ran with it. it. Yep. And we we embraced it. And now it's used to mock us after a bad year. Absolutely. So you're right. I mean, great job by you. because he said that explicitly on the show that's just your perception you nailed it they are trying to go more internal with their affairs i think and be less out there and less loud
0: yeah i think it's about building the culture so you you either build a culture or you allow the culture and so mel tucker and and all of the staff i believe they're building a type of culture that um where individuals are um they are being liberators for one another. They're giving, you know, they're they're not abdicating their responsibility. They're not um, protecting. They're not they're not shying away from the hard things. Again, again, you want to, you know, you look at last year. You say, hey, let's define reality. Reality last year, a lot of injuries. Um, you know, you had the, the the tunnel stuff. You had a lot of lot of stuff that happened last year, and um and so there's this sense where Um, Last year was like, you know, is the culture suffering? And I I think I think, you know, you you build it or you allow it. And I think that it takes time for people, players, coaches, staff to buy into a culture that a coach is bringing. Listen, this is only the fourth year. This is not like 14th, 15th year. This is the fourth year. And I think, again, we we have just like any other fan base, we have a rabbit. Fickle fan base at times. Again, I said that. Yeah. So
1: <laughs> yeah, we are part of it. We can say it. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. And
0: so and so and I think we we have to. There's again, have the farmer's mentality is to be patient. You plant, you plant, and and then you you wait for you you wait for the harvest. And I think we're going to see a little bit of that this year.
1: I'm curious for your take on this because I endorse everything you said in terms of how you would consult Mel Tucker and you know worry about yourself. Where I had a real hard time being the quote unquote bigger man or let it, you know, turning the other cheek, pick your cliche was in the wake of the tunnel incident you just mentioned. And I don't want to get into the deep dive of the incident itself, but sort of the aftermath and the fallout. But I want to start with a clip from you and a great, I don't know if it was about a year ago or less than that. Great clip that we found you to sort of frame your perspective and the things you deal with. You know, you're, uh, I don't know if you prefer black or African-American for, um, you know, the, the phrase, yep. but you know, you're, you're still in this society now as a black man, as an African-American, you know, you're facing this racism yep. and that's something we had a rude awakening to this past October in the aftermath of that. So Ben, can you play the clip of Marvin really quick and then we'll, we'll get into this a little bit deeper.
0: I live in this skin every day. I am profiled at least once a month. I, I was profiled in Rite Aid a right Aid near my house. I was in the row looking for potato chips and nobody else in the store. So the clerk, the cashier comes down my aisle, pretending to fix candy that was already in order. And she just stood there and she had eyes on me. And I, I had to laugh to keep from crying because in 2020, I'm still dealing with this.
1: First of all, that breaks my heart. I hate hearing that. That just makes me want to go punch somebody. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sorry for that you ever have to face anything like that. The reason I selected that, though, is because you are a pastor, advisor, a mentor to so many people. And in that clip, even you are saying, it's so hard for me. I hate that I have to face this. I laugh so I don't cry. So this still affects you, obviously you know, emotionally when you face stuff like that, 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 is that a fair?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it, I mean, it, it, it impacts me, uh, even, even to this day. And, and this is, this is just one incident, you know, again, as I mentioned, there are a number of other incidents that, um, you know, that I, I carry, you know, in, uh, in my, in my heart. So, so, so part of it is, so, so again, I, I keep coming back to this because, I will not give away my agency. I will not. Even if someone called me the N-word, as much as that, that, that gets under my skin, the thing that I have to remind myself of is I know that I'm not that. So I, I have to remind myself of who I am. And I have to remind myself, uh, I have to, have to with other people, I have to remind them of who they are. So identity, uh, so, so this is the kind of the way I think about it. So identity determines my action and my action determine my feelings, not the other way around. It's not my feelings determine my actions right. and my actions determine my identity. Because if that, was the, if that were the case, then every time someone said something to me, then my feelings would take over. And then I, am, I might end up doing something like you may have to come bail me out of jail or you know something like that. Right. So, But when I recognize my identity, my identity is... I'm man I'm a I'm a black man who is I, again again I don't know what all your listeners are in terms of spiritually loved by God loved by my family so that's my identity and so my identity determines how I will act in that moment and that moment I could have I could have actually said something to her but that would have been even taken and taken out of context and might even be construed misconstrued and so um, so again, my my identity as you know a black Christian man uh, determined my actions in that moment. Um, I was not going to take that on and and be hurt by that. Um, even though again, I'm not I'm not a bigger man. I'm not I'm not like man. This is you're you're so holy in spirit. No, I there are things that went through my mind that I wanted to say, but in that moment, I I didn't want to give away my agency. And, um, and then that determined how I felt. I was hurt by it. And I was able to talk to other people about it. Um, but in that moment, um, I still carry that. Uh, but, but I'm not going to let it force me to do something that I would later regret.
1: But is there something to be said for, even if it's not a, an embarrassing reaction that you wouldn't want your kids to know about, not just... You know, saying, oh, you know, I'm going to go about my day. I'm honestly asking because that's what I wrestle with. Because, I mean, did you see some of the stuff that was out there with the players? Yeah,
0: or, you know, some, some of it, yes. Um, and, and some of it, you know, again, after a while, you, you, you turn it off because it's, you know, it, it bombards you. To your point, your point, there is absolutely, you have to look at where, where do we have to stand up for justice? Uh, where do you have to stand up as an ally? for whether it's your, your black and brown brothers and sisters, I think, I think it's absolutely important for that. Now, in that moment, in that moment, that's, that's what I chose to do. There are other moments where I have stood up and said, no, this is wrong. This is not right. And, um, and so, so I think there is discerning when it's the right time um, to, to, to fight for justice. And when it's the right time to say, I'm going to let that roll off my back because it's not worth the energy, the time, and it's not worth me giving away my agency in that moment. So so that's that's what I'm saying. It's 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 not uh, I'm the bigger man and I just I just take the punches. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, I think we have to be discerning when it's the right time and when it is the time to say, you know, something I I just I, I would stoop so low to respond to that. And I'm not, I'm just not willing, I'm not willing to do that.
1: Yeah. So it is a effectively a case by case basis for so many words. So let let me put a couple of the cases in front of you. I'm curious for your general reaction. So Ben, can you throw up our little three examples of which there are many? So this is, you know, from a Woodward sports clip, and this was, there was a general update that they had posted on the Michigan state investigation, nothing inflammatory on their end. And there were, Twenty-five, thirty responses like this: "Quote, MSU's a bunch of thugs. Enjoy not bowling. You deserve everything you're getting. Michigan owns this conference, and you suck a bunch. You suck a bunch. Sorry, the grammar's terrible. <laughs> no, not, not my fault. You suck a bunch of thugs, and you took on the identity of your head coach. So you suck. You're a bunch of thugs. You're getting what you deserve, and you took on the identity of Mel Tucker, who is, I mean, that that that's." That. <laughs> He's like a total gentleman. That's what, crazy. What is thug quote about Mel yeah. Tucker? Yeah. Even the language, you know, the code of the language aside, even if you chose a different word. Yeah. Like, it's ridiculous. Ben, can you throw the second one up that we pulled? This is the same thread. Wow. MSU is a bunch of thugs and apparently it's okay with their program. I don't care what the U of M player said. There's no reason for the state players to jump them and hold them. So other players can beat them and hit them with a helmet. I mean, I think we agree. It doesn't matter what you say. You can't hit somebody. Right. So I'm, I'm with, I'm with Kelly Cummings on that one, but this whole, you know, MSU has a bunch of thugs and it's okay with their program based on what they suspended everybody involved indefinitely. Like, what are you even talking about? Yeah. Thug language aside, third piece, Ben. So this is our buddy, Odell Bredham, just tweeted out. 2024 superstar five-star David Stone showing love to Michigan State and Rocky in a Coach Brandon Jordan uh, gear. And the response, I mean, this was you know, right after, quote, another thug. David Stone is a high school kid right. who hasn't done anything. Nothing. And that was not the only thug response to a David Stone tweet that Brett had in that, you know, the month and uh, months uh, post-tunnel incident. I see that stuff, and I have many examples out there. I quote tweet and say, "Why is he a thug?" I go after that. Yeah. If you're my pastor, are you are you telling me as an ally because that's they're not saying about me. Yeah. I'm jumping in someone else's fight. Am I picking a good fight going after that stuff?
0: Yeah. I, you know. I, again, I think it just depends. Like I look at that and I see immaturity. So so I and and again if if you cannot regulate your emotions. Then it's to me, it's it's kind of a, a level of of immaturity. Are are these individuals tweeting this to get a rise and response out of you know MSU fan base? Um, and again, if if if, if that's you, that just keep like looking their at true me. feelings that's, to me, Marvin. I mean, you
1: can't. I don't know these people, and if I did, I would unknow them. Yeah. But that does not but, seem like a troll. That's their genuine. And and again, I, and I I hear
0: you. I hear you. I hear yeah. you. And for you to respond and to say, ask the question. Now, if you're going back tit for tat then then i would i would probably advise you know hey justin not 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 do that but if you're asking serious questions like why is he a thug do you know them do you know the their family the family they come from do you know them personally because every single one of us given the right circumstances we probably would respond and react in ways that we would look back on you know on the the next day or the next day and look back on yesterday and say what was I thinking? What was I thinking when I did that said that we we both agree that if if with with the kind of um you know using a helmet, hitting someone that is never ever right at all. And I credit Mel Tucker for getting all the facts, seeing what happened, and immediately responding and giving consequences to where where consequences were due. So, so again, to say that they're taking on the identity of their head coach, the head coach said, "This is unacceptable, and we're going to respond to it." And so, so when I see things like that, um, um, th- that's me personally. Um, I love the I love the questions, asking the questions, finding out more information, uh, as opposed to you know getting into a, a Twitter battle. We we know that online stuff never works um, if you. You know, if you want to go out to lunch with me or if you want to meet me someplace, let's talk about it. And again, I, this is me. This is not you. And, and I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm not saying you do it the way I do it. Yeah. And um, and I, I don't trust myself many days. I don't trust myself to respond in a way that um, that is going to constantly and consistently be where where I am not going to I'm not going to hurt you with my words and I can do that I was an English major in college and I can pull out words that you don't even know to hurt you and I just don't trust myself to do that to be drawn into those moments and um and and there are a couple of times where I am drawn in and it's like man I why did I say that and um and I don't man I I want to do things and say things that if my kids looked at looked at them they would say yeah I'm proud of my dad for saying that I'm proud of my dad for um engaging in a way that was 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 relatively honorable again that's me um as a you know as a pastor as someone who has somewhat of a voice of influence and i want to i want my life to be consistent with what i say and um and so so i I tend to think before i press send um Think a little bit more, like how is this going? This tweet going to be perceived, and that sort of thing. I, I have a, a kind of a funny story regarding uh a, in 2018 I sent out a tweet and um and it 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 was uh, when MSU played when MSU you don't know the you don't know the weight of your words sometimes. So in 2018, uh, uh, Michigan State went out to Arizona and played ASU, Arizona State, and so uh, I'm at home. And I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I think the game ended up being 16 to 13, something like that. And, um, and I, I, I tweeted something very benign about the offensive line. I think not doing what they were supposed to do. And somehow that tweet, um, got back to Mark D'Antonio, coach D'Antonio. I didn't, I didn't know how close I was to the program. He, you know, he allowed me to, to come come closer to the program. And so someone screenshotted my tweet, sent it to him. And, um, and then Tim Allen at the time sent me a, a, a DM and said, hey, someone sent this to Mark D'Antonio. So I text Mark and just said, hey, listen, uh, can we have a conversation about whatever, you know, the, the tweet? So he was in a meeting. He said, I'll call you when I'm on my way home. So about nine o'clock, he calls me and he reminded me of who I was in only Mark D'Antonio fashion. And he said, you, You're family. We, we, we would expect that from outsiders, but you're tweeting to 4,000 of your followers, which I didn't think that was a lot at that time. You're tweeting to 4,000 of your followers, and there's a sense of you're, you're tweeting something negative about the program, but you, we've, we've allowed you to come close to the program. And so, so I, I felt like, wow, I didn't know my words mattered that much. And, um, and, and then he said, listen, I'm not, I'm not mad at you, but he, he did kind of go in on me. Uh, I'm not mad at you. And then he gave me some great tickets to the Indiana or the, 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 the Central Michigan game. And uh, but I, I, I it was a lesson learned for me that that sometimes we don't know how influential our words are. And even the most casual words. Even the ones we think that are benign can come across um, kind of, um, you know, either hurtful or negative. And uh, nobody can see your face. Nobody can see my face when we tweet those things. So anyway, that's, that's me. Those are lessons learned for me. And um, so, yes, be an ally. Yes, fight for justice. But I think also discern uh, what we're putting out there because we, we represent more than just ourselves.
1: I mean, I am probably the whitest dude on the planet. So I can't relate to dealing with the criticism and the, you know, the hate in that way and in that brand. People hate me for other reasons, but I've never, <laughs> I've never dealt with like really racism in any form. And certainly not the way, you know, someone growing up in this country black would deal with that. Yeah. So I, that's a given. I, I don't understand that. But where it hit home for me is when it was about specific kids that I knew. Yeah. I mean, Jacoby Winman was one of the players' suspended. Top tier. top tier guy he was in your chair four days before that incident, yeah. previewing that game with Xavier Henderson and Darius snow i I said I've said it repeatedly, other than Kenneth Walker, the nicest guy I've ever had in you absolutely. maybe you'll unseat him, but <laughs> but just the nicest guy, yeah he was called every racial slur in the book, including the n-word in two cases that i had pulled which we yeah. will not be sharing yeah. but it so nasty about his involvement in that and that's a guy that i knew yeah. and know it is it's not just that he's a good guy or he's not all bad is one of the nicest yeah but well, he came in here you know yes sir no sir just yeah. beyond nice yeah it really pissed me off yeah xavier henderson Broke up the fight. Absolutely, got his team. great leader, great leader, great captain. Yeah, love that guy. Yeah, one of the all time. You know, with you know Antoine Simmons, yeah. Darian Harris, one of the all time great Spartan captains. Yeah, broke up the got his team back in their locker room.
0: Yeah,
1: he to this day still does not have his Instagram comments public. He, he's like shut him off. Yeah, because of the hate he got. Dug this, yeah. you know. Oh, are you gonna go gang banging with your boy? Every yeah. basically everything you can think of. He still doesn't have his comments. You can't comment anymore. Yeah. This this is a guy that broke it up. Yeah. Nothing to do with anything. Yeah. I know it affected him. He was on the show four days before. That's where it drives me nuts. And I know Darian, whom we both love, had these conversations with these kids and they struggled with it. So I want to take you through some excerpts of Darian on our show, talking about the experience in the aftermath. Okay. Get your reaction and kind of how you would handle it. So Ben, can we start with the first one? We'll roll Darian Harris talking about that initial backlash in the aftermath of the tunnel incident in Ann Arbor.
2: As soon as something like that happens, and like you said, you're talking about mentions in social media and, you know, again, the the conversations with student athletes that nobody on the outside saw or ever was going to see, the conversations that I had to have with individuals, you know, in my office who who just didn't understand why this was happening to them um, from the overall landscape you know and, and when you say something like that and people say well they put themselves in that situation because of this yeah we we understand that obviously we acted on that we understand there were consequences but it's, again it's still young men at the end of the day who who, who didn't it, it wasn't so egregious that you say you know you got a distance from that it was to the point where they you really had to explain to them here's how we're going to navigate through this process.
1: He's, first of all, he's an A+. He's just fantastic. He, he's so Absolutely. good. Yep. He's, I agree with everything he said. What's your reaction? Do you agree with where he's at there?
2: Totally, totally,
0: totally agree. Um, again, we're talking about 17, 18, 19, 20-year-old young men. And to be able to mentor them through, through this and to coach them through it, uh, to recognize their consequences, yes, but we're going to get past this. And here are some tools. To help you get past this, because this is not the only time you're going to see these comments. You're going to see these comments literally all through your life. As long as you're in black skin, you're going to see these comments. And so, so that it doesn't happen again, so that your emotions don't get the best of you. Again, go back. Here's some tools that you can use. So, so they the way they're coaching or the way they coach the young men to respond and to react. To there's a difference between reacting and responding. So we want people to respond, not react, and I think that's kind of what Darian was getting at. How do we help these young men to respond like young men and not react according to uh, what somebody else is saying and someone giving away giving away their agency to individuals who call them thugs, who call them animals, who call them a pack of whatever? And um, and again, I get angry with that, and yet I, I I recognize as as well. I after all of the anger is settled, we still have to give tools, not just young men. You got to give me tools. Got to give other people tools, my white brothers and sisters tools to to win. So that when I'm sleeping, that you're standing up, um, you're standing up at at the family functions and that sort of thing. If someone says something, I would hope that Justin would say, you know, something. I have friends. Literally, I have good friends and I am offended by what you're saying. So I need, to, I need to be able to sleep at night knowing that you're going to stand up for me in that way. And I think these young men, to have a Darian Harris, to have a Mel Tucker, to have Scotty Hazelton, some of these other guys who say, listen, we got your back. Again, it's, it was not right, but guess what? We have your back and we're going to get through this. And, um, and I think most of these guys um, are in a different position today. They've learned lessons, growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. And I think these guys, they, um, that all of them who, who were a part of it, I think what Darian was getting at, how do we help these guys have a growth mindset as opposed to a fixed mindset with this situation?
1: Well said. And Ben, can you throw a little more Darian up there going through this issue in a little more depth? Our second Darian Harris clip. I could play Darian Harris clips all day. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's the man. Let's listen to the second one. What were those couple weeks like after where these kids are being vilified? You guys are being called the products of a scum program. Your coach is a, quote, thug. You guys were pariahs, even guys that had nothing to do with anything. What was that like just in that building and managing that emotionally?
2: I think it was, it was eye-opening to uh, our student-athletes for kind of what can happen in the world, you know, from the, the prominent, so to speak, position you're in, albeit fair or unfair, you know, when, when you are on a national stage and, and an incident or a situation like that happens, people are going to show their true, true colors towards you. So um, it was eye opening. It was it was, you know, dare I say, educational. Yeah. So you you seem to agree. Totally, totally agree. Again, if if, you know,
0: we, we all are going to fail. It is how we respond to failure um, is is going to determine uh, where we where we go from uh, from that position. You can easily feel sorry for yourself. And, and again, consequences. Listen, I, I receive the consequences. Take the consequences. I'm going to do whatever uh, I need to do uh, to, to own uh, my part in this. Um, and I think that's the only thing you can do. Own it and then say at the end of the day, how do I learn from it? Uh, and and I, I would dare say, be kind to yourself and be, give yourself grace. Yes, I failed in this moment. I, I could have done something different, but but now we are a year removed. Um, how, how do I how do I be kind to myself? I think sometimes when we fail, we're our own worst critics, and we we sulk and we don't get back up. And if you look at these guys now, uh, who were a part of that the, the tunnel incident, these guys have gotten back up. Um, they are. Um, they, they have focus. And um, and I, I just can't wait to see uh, what they display on the field. Um, not not just on the field, because football, again, football is just one part of this program. Um, the thing that I love, what Darian is saying, what Mel has said, that when these when we sit across in, in the parents living room and they decide to give their children, their young men to us, we have now a responsibility, a responsibility to not only teach them football, but also to teach them to become even better young men. And um, so that when they're released back into the world, whether they go to the league or not, when they're released into the world, they can, they can say that MSU football program had, um, had some level of shaping and molding of these young men. And these, these guys can look back and say, yeah, I am a Spartan dog for life. Yes, playing football, but man, I got a brother. I have a brotherhood. And these uh, coaches and staff, they've taught me some things that I just would not have gotten otherwise. And so so I love I, I, again, you're right. Darian, um, you know, he hits it out of the park every time when he's uh, talking about mentoring these young men that are coming up. And uh, and I love it.
1: I would tell anybody just whatever Darian tells you, just (laughs) I mean, I'm older than Darian, but if he wants to mentor me, I'm I'm agreeable to whatever advice he wants. He's the man. He's the best. We'll we'll finish with Darian here. Let's play the third and final clip. This is I I really put Darian on the spot. And forewarning, I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to ask you the same question I asked him. I don't think there's any denying this with the Mel Tucker racial component here. Let's let's play the Darian clip and then we'll get into your opinion on this. I'm going to cut right to it. If Mel Tucker's a white guy, does this reaction mirror exactly as it has in this situation? Is there any difference? Cause I think that has something to do with it, especially when people are saying throw Mel Tucker in jail, right. who didn't even do anything. <laughs> is it, is there some element of
2: black coach versus white coach here? I, I believe so. I believe so at the end of the day. And that's just a society that we're in. And again, people can push back on that or say everything's not about race. And unfortunately, it is in a lot of in a lot of cases. And so we have to navigate accordingly and teach accordingly.
1: I undersold it, if anything, to me, it's almost entirely. I mean, if it we're a white coach, of course, there's going to be backlash for that happening. I'm not saying that it's like 100 percent that, but the intensity, I think, if they were all white guys in the tunnel or five white guys, two black guys and the coach is white, I don't think it's half of what it was in terms of the public reaction. Is that crazy? What do you think?
0: Yeah, I, I again, I, you know, again, I'm double, clipping, du- double clicking on what uh, what Darian said. And, um, and again, I have, I have personal experience to back it up that um, where if it is, um, if, if Mel Tucker is not a black coach, um, I think to a certain degree, there will be hall passes given out um, to, uh, to that coach to say, um, yeah, you know, he's he, he needs to get control of the program and then the backlash wouldn't wouldn't be as long as it was with this situation. But because Mel Tucker is a black coach. And again, from my experience, we have to do it two times, three times is better. We have to burn the midnight oil a little bit longer. We we get um we get a short leash when we're in leadership positions because. There are individuals who say, you know, they're not smart enough. They are not. Um, they're not um, uh, skilled enough. And so, um, so you heard all of that. He doesn't know what he's doing. All of those kinds of things. Uh, he needs to get control of, you know, of his, um, you know, of his team. And they, again using other, you know, other terms. So I, I think if yes, it's if it's a white coach, there may be a um, the the leash is a little bit longer and the backlash is not as long. And um and the narrative is not spun like we see in the situation here.
1: Did you see we talked about it on my show? I interviewed the reporter about it. Do you see any of the John U Bacon reports from his two anonymous sideline sources about the toxicity of the Michigan State sideline? I did not. Okay. Now, I did not prep this. I mean, we we had beautiful graphics on it on that episode when I've talked about it with multiple players, but and so I'm gonna have to go into paraphrase mode here. But John U Bacon, who's a friend of mine, great Michigan writer, New York Times bestseller, wrote what I think is the best sports book ever written, three and out. He's awesome, so I'm not uh, you know, bashing John. But, and we had a healthy conversation about this on camera, but I didn't agree with his decision to report this. He reported that there were two Michigan uh, sources on the sideline of the Michigan-Michigan State game this year, nothing to do with the tunnel. This was during the game that said the Michigan State sideline was the most toxic thing they've ever seen that they were openly talking about staffers and players injured Blake Corum, injured JJ McCarthy and their careers, the most vile stuff. One of the sources said in I'm paraphrasing again a little bit, but said in 30 years I've never seen anything close to this bad. And then one or both of them, I think both, but definitely one of them explicitly said this is on Mel Tucker, this is his fault, they're taking after him. I have asked this question on camera. Anyone could pull up the episode. Darian Harrison that episode. Keon Coleman when I had him in here. I've asked off camera multiple players. Um I'm forgetting at least one. I mean Ben, you can if I, that was on camera on the show. 5 6 people total. They don't even know what the, these people are talking about. They're not even allowed to on that team talk trash. Right. Right. It, there's not a single person, and I, you can say, oh, well, what else are they going to say? Well, the two sources claiming it are anonymous, these people are on camera addressing these. They Not only, and even off camera, they're telling me, that's absurd. They've never heard anything like that. And this wasn't, an, oh, someone said one thing. The entire three hours, the sideline was toxic, and it's Mel Tucker's fault because they're taking after him. What evidence do we have of Mel Tucker wishing injury on anybody yeah I, that stuff drives me nuts
0: yeah I, I i just i again what i know of him um that is uh, again we're, we're talking cognitive dissonance it's just it, it just doesn't here's you know a coach that says you know if you're sitting down on the bench and you're not engaged in the game mentally even if you're not in the game um why would you know why why would that I mean, we're we're talking about a coach that has discipline and trying to teach discipline to these young men. And again, I I, I can't I can't speak on it. I have I don't have a conversation about it because I I've not heard that re, right. uh, that report. But um, but it just seems so antithetical to um to what I know uh, who Mel Co- uh, Mel Tucker is and the coaching staff know who them uh, to be. And I just I just don't see it.
1: Well, Ben, if you want to be a hero and dig up one or two of those graphics uh, while I'm jabbering here, I don't know how easy it is to pull that up unplanned on the fly because it would be interesting to get your reaction to the exact quote. So we're not I'm not unfairly paraphrasing anything, which I don't think I am. But my point is that is, for my money, top five media member in the state of Michigan, the guy I have a hell of a lot of respect for. I'm a friend of his. He's a friend of mine. I love the guy. Yeah. But. Those are two University of Michigan employees talking to a New York Times bestselling author who reported it. So this this is where we are dealing with this stuff on a more official level. This is not just some six-flower egg on Twitter where you can sit down someone and say, hey, ignore him. Who cares? He's trying to get a reaction out of you. This is two University of Michigan employees going kind of on record anonymously, but wanting to be published with a reputable reporter saying that, Mel Tucker is creating this toxic, vile, violent atmosphere. And it's not just, it's different. It's bad enough to say, oh, he doesn't have control of the program. That's not what they said. They're saying he's endorsing this. This is what he wants them to do. He's taking after, they're following his lead. That's different than a lack of control, institutional control or whatever. And that's coming from Michigan employees. That's coming from the New York Times bestseller reporting it. That's where it hits me. Where what do we do? It's for, I don't know what the answer
0: is. Yeah, and again, I not knowing that situation, not being on the sideline, I can't I can't speak on can't speak on that. Again, um, I I just I just again I don't see it. And, and again, I could be totally out to lunch, totally wrong. Um, but uh, again, you know, identity uh, identity determines actions. Action determines uh, feelings. And so, um, so again, I I have no clue. Yeah, fair enough. So, so,
1: but it's, I mean, if you're taking my word for it, it's bad. And I just think the whole thing is, is ridiculous. And that's where, you know, I do get into the, like, what would I tell the kid? So you said you've met Jacoby Winman, or, you know,
0: I've not, I've not met him. Um, So, but just, I just know of him. And, you know, again, heard uh, some of his interviews and again, a very, very, nice, nice young man. So,
1: and yeah, your perception is right. I mean, I said, he is, he is like, you know, weave it to beaver, like fifties sitcom. Nice. (laughs) He is such a good dude. Yeah. And so we'll, we'll just use him as an example where let's say Jacoby Winman calls you, we did the Mel Tucker example. What is your advice to him? I understand the mental advice of, Oh, don't let it affect you. But what is the actionable advice? Get off social media. The guy just got an NIL deal with a dealership through his social media. He shouldn't de- deprive himself of a voice. I don't think. Block everybody. Address it. Call it out. What would you tell Jacoby Winman where he says, "You know, Marvin, I'm getting these thug tweets every day. I'm just trying to live my life." What do you yeah, say to him? And and again,
0: and and when I when I say when when I said that, um, you you just kind of not let it affect you. Yeah. It it's it's more than that because what what are you, what are you going to do if, you know what what are you gaining by responding i'm not a thug i mean what i mean, it, it's it's it it's going tit for tat so you're, you're the, the again going back to this i can't stress it enough jacoby can only control himself and he can only control his responses to those kinds of things his his response is his responsibility and for him to say you know something uh, maybe maybe i don't uh, be active on social media as much uh, maybe maybe it is blocking certain people uh, so that it it's not uh, kind of getting in my you know getting in my head but again, if you know who you are and if Jacoby knows who he knows who he is then then everything they 're saying about him um, like they're told, they, they don't know him and it's and and because they don't know him they don 't know. The They don't know his identity, don't know who he is as a person. They can see him on the field, but they don't they don't know him when he talks to his mom. They don't know him when he talks to his siblings, if he has. They don't know him when he is really out, when nobody's looking, when when nobody's watching, he's actually doing things for other people and not bringing any kind of fanfare. So, again, it. I I know I sound like a broken record on this. But again, our response is our responsibility. And, um, and I, that's, that's one of the ways I would, um, I, I would advise him. Um, get some people around you that remind you of who you are. Um, and, and really, that's, that's, that's what accountability is. Accountability is, I think, is sometimes a dirty word. But part of the theory of accountability is I need people around me to remind me of who I am. Because there are days where I show up and I don't act like Marvin Williams. And but if 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 you're in my circle, um, hey, Marvin, hey, I just want to remind you of who you are. And so, so again, that's that's part of the have a circle of people around him that will remind him of who Jacoby Winman is.
1: Uh, Jacoby is at a level of Like I want my daughter to marry that guy. Like, I mean, she's too young, but if you were old enough, that is like, I want, I want my daughter to marry you or somebody like you. He is that level of great. And that's where it just, it made me mad. And again, I had him in here four days before. I I know what a great guy is and by reputation and Darian swears by him. I mean, it drove me nuts with all of them, but particularly it had a resonance for the guys that I had met and known and Xavier Henderson, same thing, especially in his case, because he had nothing to do with anything. It's like, what are you doing? I just I thought the whole thing was dumb, but I, I think you have an opportunity. You you have an opportunity. You have a
0: you have a um, you have a, a wide range of listeners. You have a, uh, you have a great amount of influence. In those moments um, when when Jacoby says I'm not going to speak for myself, um, Justin has an opportunity, or Marvin has an opportunity, or Darian has an opportunity. Like you don't know him like I know him, and I don't care what you say. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not going to I'm I'm not going to determine a person's life based on an incident. But you don't know him like I know him. Um this is a, a young man that is respect respectable, respectful and um and I like I'm I I support him. I, if y'all want to come at me, if the ops want to come at me, come at me, but I know him and I know him well enough to say um I I'm going to be an ally for him and um, and I'm not going to not going to determine the rest of his life based on an incident that happened, um, which which, again, given the circumstances, any one of us can find ourselves saying things and doing things that we we later regret.
1: Jim Harbaugh got, you know, on camera the next day and, and said, you know, there, he suspects that there's going to be severe consequences, that there must be apologies aren't going to be good enough. Uh, he would be shocked if there's not charges brought. Was effectively calling for you know, the harshest manifestation of legal consequences for these guys. What was your take on that? As a, as a guy who's you know in Harbaugh's position, leading similarly situated, you know, young black athletes coming up, and what what did you make of his reaction? Did you have any issues there with his response?
0: Yeah, I think I think again, without with without all of the. Without all of the evidence, um, to to make that statement so quickly, um, and you saw it on the other side. You know, Mel said, "Hey, let's wait until we see all that that's coming out." But for again, I, I don't I don't know Jim Harbaugh. Don't know his you know his habits and that sort of thing. But I think I probably would have waited uh, a little bit to to determine. Um, let's let's see, and then let's let's make statements. But again um, if, you know, are there, are there young men in, in, in that program that have done things that would, uh, deter, would, would require the same kind of consequences. And, um, and I think we, you know, there, there are a couple of situations where there was, you know, kind of just a slap on the wrist. Um, and again, I'm, I, I don't, I'm not getting into all of that. That's, right. a, that's right. a deep hole, Yeah, yeah. That's that. Not, which is kind it's, of its oh, own point. Oh, look at the time, yeah. the time is gone. So.
1: Yeah, yeah, like, man, to go two hours. <laughs> and, but that's kind of the point. The fact that that is such a deep hole to get into yeah. is its own point.
0: Yeah, I just, I just think, I think the response was relatively too quick. And, um, and you, you you're, again, you're still talking about 18, 19, 20 year old young men how can you how can you coach them? Not just coach them on the field, but we're talking about coaching them in life. And um, and I, I think that to say those kinds of things, um, those words, they are deep, they sting, they hurt. And and I can tell you, I have talked to people who fathers, coaches, others have said some piercing things when these kids were. 18, 19 years old, and they still live with those things when they're 40 and 50 years old. So our words matter. Our words matter. And, and again, that's the reason I go back to even sometimes our casual words, even the words we joke with, they can have long lasting consequences where people end up in counseling to say, well, my coach said this, so that must be who I am. Uh, or the, op- the opposing coach said, I was a thug. And everybody respects him, and so that must be what I am. And, and so I, I think that being very careful, being very discerning with our words, I think is super, super important uh, because these, these young men are impressionable, and um, some of them will carry some of this. Some of them are already carrying things that their mothers have said, their fathers have said to them that, um, that have wounded them. And now you add another authority figure saying those kinds of things to them. They carry that. They carry that along. Um, I, I got stuff that I've carried that my father said to me when, you know, when I was 13, 14 years old. And so I can imagine there are some other individuals who play, you know this game called football, who carry some wounds from authority figures. And so I think we just have to be very careful with our words, and uh, if it were me. I just, I would have waited and I would have chosen my words a lot more carefully.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's such a disparity there. I mean, at the time, what what was Harbaugh, like 56 years old and you have this, you know, 56 year old guy making seven, eight million dollars a year, getting in front of a camera and saying, you know, I expect the the harshest of judgments on these 19 year olds. -olds." To ruin their lives. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and you know, people wanted them thrown in jail and, you know, and for Harbaugh, you can, you can make the leap. I want them punished to the fullest extent. That would be jail time, technically, for, for one of the charges. So, yeah. I mean, te- technically, yeah. if we're being literal here. So, I just I thought there was no grace in the response. And whenever you bring this stuff up, they always say, oh, there's Michigan State playing the victim. No, like Michigan State did bad stuff. But the difference is, we own that. Yeah. We suspended our guys. Yeah. We, Mel Tucker apologized. Immediate immediate response. Like he, immediate response. I, an all-time, the aforementioned John U. Bacon, the Michigan guy, was even like Michigan State administratively a home run. They were, I mean, it wasn't even once the next day. Absolutely, and then they added more suspensions because the investigation was ongoing. But the guys that they knew were involved immediately.
0: So to me, that goes to integrity. So again, uh, in concert, uh, Alan Haller in concert with with Mel Tucker um, and the the rest of the program. Again, a an integrous program, in my estimation, in this one move to say that this is our identity as a program. Our identity is that um, we, we have values and we're going to live according to those values. Something happened. It was not good. And we're going to respond right away. And we're, we're talking about individuals who were, were on you know number, they, they, were, they weren't buried in the depth chart. They were, they were players. And um, and the immediate response was uh, Mel Tucker, Al ha- Alan Haller, like, we don't care if if they are up, uh, you know, at the top of the depth chart or buried in the depth chart. Something happened. It was not right. There are consequences. And we hold our players accountable and we remind them of who they are. And um, and so I was, I, again, glad that they responded the way they did. Um, and super, super. It says a whole lot about the program in my estimation silence the noise out there says a whole lot to me about this program about the coach about the leaders um, of this program
1: I think this the whole thing needs to be dropped from the criticism and particularly with the kids I mean Jacoby Winman is the one example we keep coming back to he was in that chair talking about it with me on the show that he had been the three-time defensive player of the week in the Big Ten tied the record of all time in eight games, he had four games left to break. it. He's on there with like, you know, three other you know, great all-time Big Ten defensive yeah. players. And he lost that. That, that was like guy he, he would have had four cracks at winning defensive player of the week one time. He'd already done it three times in eight games. And he would be alone in the record books instead of tied. Even from a career achievement standpoint, what a loss. Yeah. Not to mention all the, you know, the criticism he's received. So when I had a tweet a couple of weeks back about Jacoby Winman, and there's a response, in there. oh, you mean the thug? The kid's been throwing up. That was dumb last year. Like, <laughs> but even if you're even if you're the biggest hick, right. like right. seriously, dude, yeah. Yeah.
0: get over it. It's old news. It's old news. It's Beyond the yeah. pale at this point. And and even it, and and so he, here's here's the point, and here's the point that I make that um, that that we're we're the only ones that can control us. And here's the point it will never be enough. I don't care how many apologies. I don't care if, if, he, if, if he goes out and he plays his heart out. I don't care if he's the nicest guy in the world. It will never be enough because of that incident. And that's when you know individuals, um, their motives, their motivation is not to see anyone succeed. Is not to watch a college player do his his best. It is to um, is to kill his career, kill his his psyche, his soul, so that when he gets when he goes out on the field, he is not just playing against an opponent. He is playing against the world who hates him or who doesn't like him, and that that's the reason I said if you can if you can wake up unoffendable. It drives the opposition crazy because they cannot control you. I'm sorry. I'm preaching a little bit now. You're but not, is that, <laughs> You were brought
1: in here partially for this reason, honestly. We I'm, need a little bit of I'm serious that, yeah. that
0: when you're unoffendable, your ops are like, what can we do to get under their skin? That's the reason it's important. If you and I can control who we are, regulate our emotions and not get all bent out of shape when we walk in a tunnel or someone says something to us, taunt us. Says something negative about us. Uh, just keep pushing, keep walking, because they're trying to get a response. And if they can get a response, they can get what happened last year to happen again. And I think Mel Tucker is mentally preparing these guys. I think emotionally preparing these guys so that when they hit the uh, when they hit the field, um, the only thing that's going to be on their minds is kind of this tunnel vision. We we handle us. We play for one another play for our coaches. And we're going to silence the noise around us. We're going to silence the noise on social media. We're going to silence the noise um, of everyone else who has, uh, who, who, those individuals who have negative things to say about us. Again, I keep coming back to this because Justin, I can only control, you can say, you can, you can say things right now to me that, um, that are offensive, that, that are hurtful. and, and, And if I let you, and you you see reaction out of me, you say I got him now, I got him, and I'm going to keep saying it and keep saying it until I turn this table this table over or throw something at you. But if I sit here and say, man, say what you want to, like I you can there's nothing you can say right now that will offend me, and and again I'm I'm not saying that 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 comes like overnight. That comes with adversity. That comes with training, that comes with tools to say, like, there's nothing you can actually say about me that's going to offend me, that's going to get a reaction out of me. Now, I will respond to you. So how do you know that about me? Well, 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 I I don't know. Well, see, now, now, now the tables have turned a little bit. So now I have the power versus you. So again, it will never be enough, and people will continue to say it. And at some point, we have to say, I'm washing my hands of it. Um, I know who this is and I'm not going to respond to this thug comment, that sort of thing. Anyway, I'm, I'm done now. Can
1: I be offended on <laughs> his behalf? <laughs> even if you're, yeah, yeah. He's I don't offendable. Can I be? Yeah. Offended? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cause that's my guy. I love that yeah, guy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah I, I can tell, I can tell. And, and one of the things that I appreciate, even from this conversation, you've had people at this table. Um, I was, um, I, I don't know if this was a recent one. You had Malik Hall on the show and, um, and. That's and, episode, you know, right. just, you know, uh, individuals kind of lambasting him for, you know, questioning his effort and questioning whether he was going after a 50 50 ball and that sort of thing. And and again, you you know, your you split second decision. If I touch it, it goes out of bounds. Then if, if I don't touch it, then it's, it's kind of damn if you do, damn if you don't kind of kind of idea. And and the nicest guy in the world, not one of the nicest guys in the world. And um, and to question his effort. Uh, but again, you have all of the ops saying these things. And these are some people who are probably insiders saying these things. And I'm just saying, man, I, I just I, I don't I don't know if I have time to answer every single opposition that comes my way. And so you have these guys sitting at the table. You know them better than most. And so for you to say, man, I'm offended by what they're saying. I think that's um, that lets me know that you care about these players. You care about the, not just what they do on the field, not just what they do on the court. You care about who they are. And to me, um, that's, that's big ups to you for that.
1: I appreciate it. I just, I get and the effort thing was egregious. That's a ridiculous thing. The, the, the tunnel, the racial stuff will always be, I, I had a hard time with it. Honestly, like I, yeah. I was, you know, having long conversations with my wife, like, how do I handle this? How do I help these guys? And we, you know help two of the guys get their attorney you know to deal with the the stuff and it's just we were we wanted to help and i talked to jacoby and i messaged him and i'm like man i am sorry like this is yeah. uh, you know please don't hate white people <laughs> 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 like, this is like, I, I it's like what it's a helpless feeling is kind of what yeah. i'm getting at. and yeah. i i still don't know you know what to do and i think you said it best earlier it is case by case but i wanted to show support you know to him and those kids and it still it drives me nuts, and you know I want to move past it, but I feel bad for them, and I know them as guys, particularly uh, Jacoby and Xavier yeah. and some of the other guys involved, and it just it drove me nuts. Last thing on this, I promise. Alan Hauer, you said your friends with him, he attends your, your church, yeah. right? I don't know to what extent you can disclose conversations with him. Do you think this weighed on him? He is a in a rare position as a black ath- athletic director, even rare to have the the combo of the black head football coach, black athletic director. There's like four schools I think in the country uh, that have that you know distinction in the Division One. What what was his conversation like with you? If you ever got there with him, did this ever come up?
0: No, I it, it's it's not been. Um, other than I just told him, uh, you're made for this job. This this is this is you know this is. Um, um, Your job, um, if 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 they offer it to you, I think you'll do a phenomenal job. Um, And you have, you know, you have my total support. Uh, Again, we again, as I told you, my wife and I, we we pray for the entire staff, including the athletic director, uh, the athletic director Alan Haller. Again, I know the weight is probably heavy. Heavy is the head that wears a crown, right? I I know the weight of of that position just from the mere fact as a pastor. Um, and, um, and yet I like, man, he's, I think he's cut out for the job. He has the demeanor. He has the right attitude. He has the integrity. Um, he has the heart. He loves Michigan state and he loves Michigan state, uh, Michigan state athletics. Uh, again, came up through the ranks, uh, to number 22, um, you know, cornerback, uh, safety, um, and, and again, I just. You know the fact that he's an insider; he knows the program, knows it program inside out. I think he's uh, he's the, the the right man for the job. Whether you know again, you know whether he was black or white, and I knew him. Um, this man has a level of integrity, and the fact that he is an African American who um, who knows what he's doing, um, I I love I love the position that he's in, and yet. Um, I don't, I don't envy the position that he's in. I bet he says, Marvin, I don't envy the position you're in as a pastor because I have, we have people in our church that you know they, they, they have their ideas about this and their ideas about that. And so, um, love the brother and uh, and I think he's, I think he's the right man for the job.
1: Well said. I've met him once, loved him, really good conversation with him. He, he ran up to me at homecoming last year, but <laughs> during a, t- he did like a radio hit and. He came up and he, he liked my vest because <laughs> uh, he, he, he recognized me. I was so flattered. I was like, oh, my God. I'm, for, you, for you, it's no big deal. But I was like, oh, I haven't had that. But a great guy when I talk to him. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about him up there. Yeah, so yeah. well said. This is a complete off topic. I want to finish here, though. You have a passion for something. OK. This is going to be a surprise for you. Just food in general. I've noticed this trend recently in the past few weeks. I've okay. really caught on to your stuff. But Cajun food, you, you are a very judgmental Cajun food guy. So am I. I'm a huge snob. Play uh, Ben, can you throw up the tweet of... <laughs> this, is, this is so funny. So someone tweets out this picture. Of, <laughs> it, was, it was supposedly gumbo, which I... I, <laughs> it's, I don't know what that is, but you go, that's not gumbo. It looks like Campbell's soup out of a can over rice. My father was born and raised in Baton Rouge. <laughs> his was either red or brown. His roux was either red yeah, or brown. Roux, yeah, yeah, I missed the roux. His roux was either red or brown. I'm not certain what's going on with chef's sauce here. Get back in the lab and work it <laughs> out. When the pastor is snacking you around, C- Cajun food is my. Number one, I would. I, you can take everything else. I I gotta have my jambalaya. Oh man. I gotta man. have my oh, man. gumbo. Yeah, absolutely. Jambalaya is my like death row meal. <laughs> so tell uh, your dad is. or uh, I don't know. Is he still? He's deceased. He's deceased. Oh, sorry, sorry yeah. to hear that. Yeah. But he's a Baton Rouge guy. He was Baton uh,
0: Rouge. Um, to- gumbo, gumbo was his thing, and he would get um, again seafood gumbo, shrimp, crab, literally throw everything in sausage um and um another dish that he made is sakatash which is okra okra corn and tomatoes and that's another cajun dish and um and there were days where uh we would beg him to make gumbo and uh crabs you know crab is expensive shrimp is expensive Yes. and yet but when he when he threw down man it was like um put it over some rice and uh, there are days where his roux was brown his roux was red sometimes uh, but he, he never followed a recipe. He could, he, could, he could make it to perfection to the touch. He'd do exactly what spices to put in. And, um, and every time I, I see gumbo or taste gumbo, uh, I think of my pops. So
1: I, I will gladly sit with you for some gumbo. I, where can we find it, though? Because Fish Bones is like the smallest chain here. Pretty good as chains go. I have not found... Any like authentic Cajun Creole places in the entire state of Michigan.
0: Yeah. Do they even exist? I I don't know. So so I'll tell you, and this is a little bit of a drive, uh, went to a went to Chicago for a friend's uh, mother's um, celebration of life service. And um and we hit up Papa Do's. I don't know if you have you have you tasted Papa Do's.
1: I lived in Chicago for four years. That's right, I went to law school. Okay, so, yes, I've been. Yeah. Yeah, oh, Pop, yeah,
0: yeah, Papa oh, Do's.
1: And and again, I don't.
0: I'm not. I'm not suggesting you drive the four hours, or three is. and a half I'm hours. But, it's a great spot. But Papa Do's is a great spot. They um again, their catfish, their their gumbo is amazing. Um, I've not found a place here. My wife and I, we try to reenact my father's gumbo at times, and uh, we we made some. Um, we made some a couple of weeks ago. Um, and it was it was good. It was good. Not like not not my father's. Close though. Yeah, but close. Uh Tanya, if you're still listening, if you're still watching, your gumbo was great, but uh not like my pop's. Is so. it
1: like are you guys tag teaming or is, is one better in the kitchen than the other? Like how do you No, she me?
0: she's much better. She's, she much, she's much better. Now, I did uh, to my credit, I did make pizza bowls tonight. Um okay. and so um she before I left, uh, I said, So how is it? Because I was getting dressed. So how is it? She said, This is amazing. So I I I left on a high, knowing that my wife tasted my cooking and said it was great.
1: It's always a good endorsement. I've never gotten that endorsement, not because my wife's picky, but I'm like a deplorable chef. I mean, I do make stuff, my kids kind of like it, but yeah, Yeah,
0: she's an amazing cook, but she bakes better than she cooks. Okay. Um, she's a great cook. But her baking is is absolutely amazing.
1: But the gumbo got your thumbs up, though. The gumbo got my thumbs so up. So we'll often negotiate with your wife. We'll do it after the show, man. we'll work something out. Okay. Because like, my wife's awesome. We'll trade. Like she, my wife will make you guys something. Okay. And send it
0: to you. And we'll send you the gumbo. We'll send you, you the gumbo. can't find any good gumbo. There's no <laughs> we'll, good gum- we'll send you gumbo in Chicago.
1: Plenty. There's multiple places of good gumbo yeah, yeah, yeah. in Chicago. Yeah. You can't get it here. Or it's at least a, it's I a bet. It.
0: It's a bet. We'll do it. Yeah. We'll do it. So. Uh,
1: I mean, we'll work on that trade. Something yeah marvin williams man i know we ran a little long really appreciate your time you were yeah. awesome
0: yeah thank you thank you for having me and uh, humbled and grateful uh thanks for the the lively conversation tonight
1: uh, please come back we'd love to have you
0: if you have me i will
1: oh in a second you're <laughs> you awesome marvin williams justin spiro spiro avenue show ben love you eric at home and your boxers love you <laughs> great time with great time with you marvin please do come back love to have I you love that thank you thanks that was it guys we'll see you next time thanks